This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, this is Bob Gruen, rock and roll photographer from New York, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. Just Google. Easy to find. All right. This is episode 207. I'm calling this Grunge Requiems. Uh, This is kind of funny. This started out as a broader episode where I was going to uh, talk about examples of bands writing songs about uh, other people, other bands, bands that inspired them, people within their own band. There might be another episode or two in there because I've got a healthy list going of this stuff. But then I realized um, I had an episode uh, 140 that was called Favorite Requiems, and that was just a general requiem thing. We looked at Alice Cooper talking about uh, Jim Morrison. Uh, Boy, who else did we have in there? Anyways, yeah, we had, well, actually a a requiem for someone who wasn't even dead yet. We had had the whole um, Pink Floyd Wish You Were Here in there for Sid Barrett as well. Um, But yeah, so the idea here, uh, I I narrowed this down because uh, there were a shocking number of deaths in the Seattle grunge world, that's for sure. Um, And a lot of lead singers, right? Um, So that's going to figure prominently in this. But yeah, so this is essentially uh, songs written for uh, fallen grunge icons, people who would have turned out to be icons. Um, So let's start with, uh, I guess this is the earliest one here as well, and you know, starting the ball rolling, unfortunately. Uh, Take a listen to this. This is Alice in Chains with Wood. So that's Wood, W-O-U-L-D, question mark, uh, last song on Dirt, a little bit of Van Halen punctuation there. Last song on Dirt, issued September 29th, 1992. Cool thing about um, Alice in Chains recently, they just went back and got a bunch of recertifications. Uh, So they've bumped up a few albums, uh, a a couple of levels, a whole bunch just at once. And Dirt is now five times platinum, which is pretty, uh, pretty crazy. So yeah, and this is a huge, huge song on this, just a good, uh, you know, it 
it, it, it starts kind of mellow. It gets a little heavier. It's got the, the typical, you know, passionate, doomy kind of chorus to it. Uh, but yes, this is in tribute to uh, Andrew Wood, who died March 16th, 1990, found in a comatose state by his girlfriend, uh, overdosed on heroin. He actually lived a little longer, but then they pulled life support on him. And of course, um, so there was this band Malfunction who had some future grunge greats in it, but then Mother, Mother Love Bone, they actually had an album. Uh, and you know this this Apple album they had an EP as well uh, they essentially and all this stuff's been reissued in various forms it gets a little confusing but the, yeah they had a bonafide full album and their sound I mean they were kind of like uh, what Alice in Chains might have been before Facelift they were essentially probably the most uh, Aerosmith Guns N' Roses-y of the, of the grunge group so this is that transition stage into uh, you know a full blossomy of great grunge creativity so it was a little bit still a little stadium rocky but still really kind of cool music um so sadly andrew wood died uh 24 years old and i believe chris cornell i uh, was on tour in europe uh and he was roommates with him so he he found out i guess when he got home something something like that uh found out when he got back but uh but yeah um sad story there definitely and starting this whole uh this whole you know, Seattle rain heroin sort of thing. Um, so yeah, what Jerry says about this song, uh, yeah. Tribute to Andrew Wood. Um, he says, I was thinking a lot about Andrew Wood at the time. We always had a great time when we did hang up out much like Chris Cornell and I do. There was never really serious moments or conversation. It was all, uh, fun. Andy was a hilarious guy, full of life, and it was really sad to lose him. But I always hate people who judge the decisions others make. So it was also directed towards people who pass judgments. Yeah, there's a lot of an undercurrent through a lot of these songs. I mean, this might even be another cool episode as well, even deeper than this episode. How uh, a few things. There's a lot of songs uh, in the grunge world where they're where they're kind of like warning each other not to go down the hard drugs path. Um, and uh, and there's others that are a little more abstract. There's so many songs about like depression and suicide and of, of course, just straight drugs um, that, uh, you know, and, and another, uh, you know, kind of interesting thing that I've seen in my research is there's a lot of sort of uh, uh, when you look at like the very last recordings of some of these bands and in, in a lot of cases, you know, because these bands were huge, there's these compilations where they'll show up on there, you know, as the last recording, it never was on a proper studio album, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, you would, you would read into the lyrics, what's happening here, what's happening with Kurt, uh, you know, Chris Cornell on that last live show they were playing, I guess they played a little bit of in my time of dying. People said Chris was not looking, uh, particularly well, uh, during this thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of that as well. So there's spooky late period foreshadowing. There's foreshadowing all through the, co- the, the catalogs. There's warning all through the catalogs, uh, pretty, pretty kind of spooky stuff. Um, Let's see. Uh, also, Jerry said, I guess this was in 2017, he said a really significant thing for all of us was kind of a heavier foreshadowing of some things that would directly affect us and our friends was the death of Andy Wood. That song uh, was me thinking about him like we all did and trying to put that down to just kind of write a little ode for him because he wasn't there and everything was taking off. Uh, it was a nice thing to be able to use that song. It was very poignant. Uh, I thought because we kind of carried him with us. Uh, and of course, there's the entire Temple of the Dog story. So Chris Cornell puts together, um, I guess it starts out with the song, Reach Down and Say Hello to Heaven. Say Hello to Heaven becomes the biggest song in this beautiful, amazing Temple of the Dog album comes out in 91. Um, 
and uh and so it's a, it's an early grunge supergroup kind of thing. I just had to write about this because we did a supergroup thing for Goldmine. But uh, yeah, the the whole project is essentially dedicated uh, to Andrew Wood or a, or a send off uh, album to him, and it's a really good solid uh, grunge album. And um, yeah, Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament, uh, who are coming from Mother Love Bone on on their way to you know I I believe Pearl Jam Ten comes out just after. Um, just after uh, Temple of the Dog by a couple of months. Uh, and also Mike McCready is there. So Mike McCready uh, is going to be uh, in Pearl Jam as well. And then Eddie Vedder, uh, he doesn't, he, he's not pervasive throughout the album, but he has some very strong, memorable parts. And th- there was no, n- never any real touring for this thing, but they would get together the odd time and uh, and do some of this stuff. And one guy would show up on stage with another and they'd pull a song from it. But yeah, really, uh, really cool album there. Um, and then, yeah, kind of interesting. So, um, Faster Pussycat on their Whipped album. Those guys are underrated, man. I'll never, I'll never, uh, forget meeting Tamey Down on, on the tour bus. He's a big guy. Like everything about him's big. His head is big. His hands are big. He's tall. And, um, he was dressed like head to toe, like a, like a, almost like a Nazi officer, uh, you know, sunglasses and the hat and the whole thing. It was, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, they, they've got this really cool song on Whipped, uh, which is a, a tribute to Andy Wood as well. And it's uh, it's kind of like a good mellow ballad, kind of like Say Hello to Heaven sort of thing. And then Candlebox do the same thing on their self-titled debut. They've got the song Far Behind, and it was a single. Um and it's kind of the same thing. It's a, it's a it's a ballad with with drums. Um, so all these songs are kind of similar uh, in tribute to Andy Wood. And then um, my favorite one uh, out of all of them, and I almost picked this to play, was off of the amazing War Babies album, 1992. So this this almost fits in the grunge canon for me as well. So this is Brad Sinsel from TKO. Remember TKO? They started in '79 with kind of a poppy, semi-heavy sort of album, pretty cool. Um, and then they got really good with. Uh, uh, in your face and below the belt I think they're like 83 and 84 albums um, really good quality you know gritty pre-hair metal rat post new wave of British heavy metal sort of sound but this war babies album is amazing it's a it's a self-titled um, and yeah they could have fit in the in the canon as well and oddly enough I mean it, it does remind me a little bit of mother love bone because it is a cross between that whole stadium rock thing and uh, and grunge but yeah they got a song in there called blue tomorrow beautiful beautiful song heavy song grinding dark song uh, that's a tribute to Andy Wood as well so uh, so let's take a short break and we'll be right back. hello Panthe podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good well now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Back. All right, back again here. Episode 207, we're t- we're calling this Grunge Requiems. Uh, you know, pretty narrow topic here. Uh, this is uh, songs written in tribute to uh, fallen grunge heroes, often from uh, often from drug abuse, often from heroin uh, overdoses. Um, so yeah, let's take a listen to our second track here, and we shall discuss. This is R.E.M. with Let Me In. Wow, so this is from Monster, issued September 27, 1994, four times platinum. Man, R.E.M. sold a lot of albums. Um, but yeah, so so this is their ninth album, so this is way, way into the catalog. And it's uh, obviously, from what you hear, it's kind of just a kind of a droney, shoegaze sort of experimental song. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 said, okay, his attempt to help him with his depression and, and addiction. Um, what, he, what he said in 2011, um, he said he sent a plane ticket and a driver to Cobain's uh, Seattle home in hopes of arranging a collaboration as an excuse to reach out to this guy. When that failed, he wrote, let me in about his ill-fated attempt with the haunting line, I only wish that I could hear you whisper down Mr. Fisherman to a less peculiar ground. Yeah, I went <laughs> I went and looked at the lyrics to this song and it's typical uh, uh, argy-bargy uh, Michael Stipe, you know, very sort of abstract lyrics, but it, it's pretty good to, uh, it's pretty cool to know that. And then you've got kind of a, kind of a confusing swirl of remedy reminiscences and tributes and stuff by um Foo Fighters Dave Grohl of course Dave Grohl was in the band with uh, Nirvana not on the first album he's there on Nevermind he's he's there on In Utero uh, but I Should Have Known uh, was a, is a really sort of passionate uh, there's a lot of emotion in it I should have known this should happen I should have been there to help sort of thing uh, song that, that they wrote um, yeah features I guess Chris is on accordion on it um, uh, A Friend of a Friend so this is kind of an interesting one an, an acoustic one uh, it's, uh, it's sort of the first impression kind of reminiscence uh looking back of uh when when he when he first met kurt and chris um 1990 um 
so it, it's kind of like again very sparse sort of lyrics it's hard to tell unless you sort of know sort of the backstory but but yeah it's it's these it's these little almost vignettes of of what he thought of these guys when uh when when they met when uh he met these guys um and then you know we did feature this uh so i didn't include it here but it's one of my favorite um sacred life on the cult the cult 1994 wow i love that song so that's like just a really big lush moving sort of ballad on kind of a kind of a difficult rhythmic album not very uh, melodic it kind of put a, a lot of people off uh you know it started to to cause the demise of the cult but yeah so he re- references um Abby Hoffman and Kurt Cobain and Andrew Wood, uh, which is which is pretty wild. Uh, and then there's Tearjerker by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony Kiedis uh, tribute to Kurt, um, who he said, you know, they, they met a few times, but he appreciated him as an artist. And then we've got the great Patti Smith, uh, About a Boy. Um, which is uh, which is about his life and legacy sort of thing, and of course, you know, in our world, we love Patti Smith for uh, for the lyrics that she contributed to Blue Oyster Cult. Man, we've been doing a lot of cool Blue Oyster Cult stuff lately, and and uh, you think about Patti Smith, you think about Helen Wheels, the great Helen Wheels, uh, who I got to interview before she died. She died of a unfortunately a. Um, uh, an operating room mishap. She had some sort of stomach ailment and she was being operated on. Uh, but yes, she wrote Tattoo Vampire. But Patti Smith definitely wrote some uh, Blue Oyster Cult lyrics as well. Very cool. Um, so yeah, here is her tribute um, to Kurt. So let's uh, let's play our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Black Label Society with Lane. Okay, so this is Zach Wild. Uh, 2004's uh, Hangover Music. A good, complicated ballad. I mean, they really put a lot of work into this. I'm, I'm not crazy when Zach does the straight-off piano stuff or acoustic stuff, but this, they obviously put quite a bit of work into it. There's a lot of nice acoustic text, textures and stuff in it. Man, you really hear his... Greg Allman, Zach Wild, Eddie Vedder, Yarl, right? The uh, the famous uh, the famous grunge Yarl. Um, Scott Stapp had it. Um, did Scott Whelan have it? I can't get quite to recall, but I mean, it was it was really attached to Eddie Vedder, right? Um, but uh, Zach has a very exaggerated Yarl on here, and um, you know, and and then it, near the end of the song, you get the knocking on the door because I guess what happened with Lane is he overdosed on heroin, like he was in really bad shape, his body was really broken down, but he overdosed alone, uh, and then died, and then wasn't found for a few days, uh, sort of thing. So, um, so this is uh, you know, kind of in tribute to knocking on the door like like checking on him what's going on there um and then uh and then um stained you know without the e just like uh, the weekend uh stained has a song also called lane uh, released in 2004 a bo- bonus track on their on their 14 shades of gray um but yeah uh aaron lewis uh lead singer was uh was you know obviously in- influenced by alice in chains and and uh lane staley man remember days of the new that that that's uh, an interesting band remember silver chair man we don't think about these bands anymore so days of the new was like the uh you know they were always considered the band that was based on 
the Alice in Change Sap and Jar of Flies EP. <laughs> and then you had Silver Chair, which looked like and sounded like a baby Nirvana. So they were always called the baby Nirvana. They did they did rather well as well, right? Um and then another song dedicated to Kurt is the is 42002 by Pearl Jam. So this is 2003. It's a it's a hidden track on the Lost Dogs double CD compilation album. Um, and you have to get right to the end of the album, the end of disc two. And there's a song called B Girl, which is showing it nine and a half minutes or something like that. And there's a big space in the middle, and this thing starts up, and it's again a really sort of dark, haunting, mellow. You would expect it to be mellow, but really kind of eerie lyrics um and and kind of abstract but uh but yeah just a really you know good artistic uh tribute to kurt there uh and of course kurt i mean uh we we are we would be remiss to uh to mention uh of course uh it was it was suicide by shotgun but he had obviously major um major heroin problems he had major stomach problems as well um but yeah he was in his uh how did that work the the room above the garage part of the the house or apartment sort of thing and that's where he was found um so yeah it's uh we've you know it's it's him it's andrew wood it's later on we lose chris cornell later on we lose scott whelan so that's uh four of the four of the lead singers uh at that point all right, let's move on to our fourth selection. This is Seven Year Bitch with MIA. All right, so this is a tribute to Mia Zapata of the Gits. The Gits was like an earlier Seattle punk band, uh, and Mia Zapata, uh, August twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five to July seventh, nineteen ninety three. She was actually coming back from a music venue and was murdered um, at age twenty seven. The crime went unsolved for a decade before her killer was arrested in two thousand three. Um, uh, he's been. Uh, sentenced and uh, he's in jail 36 years in prison um but yes yeah, so this song mia mia uh really cool sort of uh punky grungy violent angry sort of song by seven year bitch very cool band these guys very underrated um and you know the the whole album this viva zapata, zapata album uh it's got the uh you know the upside down exclamation mark and the right side up exclamation mark like the the whole spanish thing and it's actually got a mia zapata um painting on the album cover so the the whole album is sort of themed like this as well so this is the band's second album seven year bitches second album so this is in tribute to mia from the gits uh it came out uh, june 28th 94 cz records uh you know that they're the band that kind of started this whole thing them and sub pop but sub pop kind of gets all the glory but they're a good workman like uh grunge uh label as well um but the other interesting thing about this album and why i wanted to include this track is it has a track called rockabye on it which is in tribute to stephanie Sargent. uh so stephanie Sargent dies of a drug overdose uh this song dedicated to her and what she uh her situation so june 1st 68 to june 27th 92 uh she was the lead guitarist and co-founder of seven year bitch and um 
She died uh, asphyxiation after choking on her vomit, but she had been using heroin. Um, and this is like four months before the release of the debut album, Sikkim. Um, and yeah, so she uh, essentially uh, found in her apartment, June 28, 92, uh, she, was, she was drinking, using heroin at a party. She had been sober for eight months, uh, but returned, passed out. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, and, and this was, you know, while they were uh, recording the, the debut album, album Sikkim, which was released October 92 uh, and dedicated to her. Um, But uh, so, yeah, so um, the lyrics to this one are kind of interesting. It's like, well, I drink and I cry, clench your fists, grip my teeth, a lot of smoke, wipe my eye. Uh, Why'd you have to go and die? Everything sings like nothing. Uh, Goes on, you sleep so sound, no sign of struggle around. Uh, But this is not sleeping. I didn't hear your fist pound, nor did I, uh, no, I didn't hear your fist pound. Um, An interesting thing as well that that kind of like is a bit eerie and ties into all this. The band The Gits, so the band Mia Zapata was in, they had a song uh, called Bob and in parentheses Cousin O, which was about a cousin Bob, I guess, who who had been murdered, um, and uh, yeah, and then um, there's there's also a connection with the day I went away by Slater Kinney, um, where Corn Tucker writes about leaving Olympia, Washington, and getting involved with the Mia Zapata uh, and and this whole riot uh, riot girl scene. And you know, another thing, you know, this gets very confusing, but uh, but another one that feels part of all this on the female end of thing is uh, is the death of uh, Christian Pfaff, right? Um, May 26, 67, June 16, 94, uh, bassist for Hole, right? So um, prior to that, she was in Minneapolis bass band Janitor Joe, and that's that's going to become important here because she also, you know, she was trying to get clean and... Um, but there was a heroin situation. Uh, a boyfriend was there at the apartment or whatever. Apparently, there was like a, U- a U-Haul parked out front because she was just trying to get away from the whole whole situation. And she was going to pack up and go home to Minneapolis and, and continue on and uh, and try to get, uh, to get clean. Um, but yeah, uh, this is two months after... Um, uh, Kurt Cobain died, and yeah, so the whole scene was uh, was in turmoil and uh, all sorts of drama around Courtney Love and all this as well. Um, but yeah, there's also the scratch by Seven Year Bitch. Uh, Elizabeth Davis wrote this about Zapata's murder, and uh, there's Hip Like Junk. Um, you know, I, again, uh, a Zapata-related song as well there too. Um, so yeah, um, dark times in Seattle. Uh, let's move on to our fifth selection here. Take a listen to this. this is a little out of character for us, Sarah McLaughlin with Angel. Okay, so this is actually, uh, so this comes from the Surfacing album, July 15th, 1997, eight times platinum. This was a huge album. Man, she sold a lot of records. There's a couple of platinums and a gold in there as well. I think there's a triple platinum. Uh, But yeah, Vancouver, uh, you know, uh, Lilith Fair type gal, right? Uh, You know, big, big famous uh, for a time there. But yeah, so this is in tribute to Jonathan Melvoin. Now, this is the... This is the uh, Smashing Pumpkins keyboardist, 
Um, so you have to give me some liberty here and say Smashing Pumpkins is a grunge band, I suppose. Uh, but he died at age 34. Again, heroin, uh, injected high-purity heroin that is, was intended for snorting. Um, and I think this was in a whole hotel situation while on tour. Um, Jimmy Chamberlain was there. Um, also using, I guess, that night uh, or something to that effect. Retired to their own own rooms to use alone. So is, essentially, this song is in tribute uh, to Jonathan. Obviously, it's uh, it's uh, you know kind of typical Sarah McLaughlin and very quiet for our show. Uh, just a just a haunting little piano sort of ballad. Um, but yeah. Um, what does she say about it? Um, let's see. Write, writing was easy. The bulk of it came in about three hours inspired by articles she read in Rolling Stones about uh, about uh, musicians turning to heroin uh, to cope with the pressures of the music industry and subsequently overdosing. Uh, yeah, most notably Jonathan uh, Melvoin. Um, she said she identified with the feelings that might lead to someone to use heroin. I've been in that place where you've, um, you've messed up and you're so lost that you don't know who you are anymore and you're miserable. And here's this escape route. I've never done heroin. I've done plenty of other things to escape. She said that song is about trying to take responsibility for, uh, trying not to take responsibility for other people's problems and trying to love yourself at the same time, which really, um, Boy, yeah, every time you see Jerry Cantrell kind of talk about this and in his lyrics, he's very ambivalent about all this and not trying to pass judgment because he knows he was in that place too, right? So um, so it's really interesting. Uh, these guys have to kind of, uh, you know, ride that fine line of, of not preaching because they know they're, they're kind of knee-deep in this whole thing as well. So, yeah, that's a lot of guys lost. And like I say, we, we later lose Chris Cornell and, and the whole... The whole thing of his death is kind of complicated by prescription drugs and suicide. Was it suicide? Was it not? Did he, you know, was it the drugs that put him in a bad state of mind? Did he overdose on the drugs? But they said he was not, he he did not seem right at that show he was doing. I think they were in Detroit, right? Um, and, and there were some things off there with his singing and stuff. Um, you know, back to Jonathan Melvoin, though. So so apparently we've got also a Wendy and Lisa song, Jonathan, as girl bros. Um, uh, they do a song, and uh, uh, the song Jonathan. Um, and Prince has one on uh, Emancination, The Love We Make, uh, I guess, is dedicated to him as well. Um, yeah, so we've got, what do we got here? I need some distraction, oh, beautiful release. Memory seeps from my veins. Let me be empty, oh, and weightless, maybe. In the arms uh, in the arms of the angel, this is all from the Sarah McLaughlin song, Fly Away From Here, from this dark, cold hotel room. So there you've got the the sort of uh, direct mention. Uh, interesting, I, I tried to look, I tried to check around. Maybe my research skills aren't that good. You guys can let me know on the Facebook, but... Um, um, I could not find any songs written yet. I could have sworn I've heard of one somewhere. Somebody wrote a song in tribute to Chris Cornell. Um, but I couldn't find any, and I couldn't find any in tribute to Scott Whelan. That's a whole other thing, isn't it? There's a real darkness to to Scott. It's it's Scott's kind of more in the same camp as Lane Staley, right? But but even darker because Lane Staley, you know, in life, Lane was Lane was a pretty up upbeat kind of goofy kid, right? He was he was a cool guy that way. I mean, and and when you think of Alice in Chains, I mean, you you basically got these two guys with similar voices, and and Jerry's writing a lot of the lyrics as well. So this is why Alice in Chains can go on uh, with William Duval and and be uh, you know a perfectly great working unit because uh, you've got that nice seamlessness of Jerry singing a bunch of the songs as well and writing lyrics. So it's kind of interesting in in that in that. Uh 
camp when you when you start learning over the years that Jerry Cantrell's kind of the co the co lead guy in that band as well um, in that in that uh, respect. But of course Scott. We had him in Stone Temple Pilots, and then we had him in, in Velvet Revolver as well. I'll never forget, I was down for a Velvet Revolver press conference once, and uh, I, I just walked into the washroom before this started, you know, way up uh, on a you know a, a floor way up in a hotel, and there's Scott Whelan there putting on his wake, makeup, and I just kind of, there's kind of a darkness about him. I stayed away from him. I didn't say anything to him. I, I think it's just, like, hey, Scott, you know, and that's it, you know, and, and got out of there, but he's, yeah, just standing at the mirror putting on makeup really slow, looking kind of morose um but yeah then they did this whole whole press conference uh for velvet revolver um but yeah i i I can see possibly doing a whole episode uh looking at the whole um foreshadowing thing because there's a lot of these these i noticed in my research a lot of these like late period songs what you know it's it's hard for these bands like i say to even figure out what the last song they did together was because they were always so creative there was all you know i love the fact that there's there's all these posthumous releases and all these b-sides collections um lots and lots of material that these that, that these bands did um wanted to mention as well um you know I, I i can't remember who was all in there but but one that really struck me on the um the follow-up to the last episode which was bands that went new wave was city boy someone had mentioned city boy and i love how um you know i i got to give thanks to william walker and mick Phelan and nathaniel noah who are who are really killing it with lots and lots of uh, andrew theo as well right um Lots of uh, lots of great comments um, there, and lots of good scholarly stuff, and even bringing up old episodes and then reconsidering them as well, which I've been sharing on Facebook too. But um, so one one of them, I think it might have been William, but somebody brought up City Boy. Um, how after the um, after you know, I love uh, the day the Earth caught fire, but the next one, I guess, Heads Will Roll. Like I think they had one or two more after that, but they they, they apparently went pretty new wavy right um and then it's funny before that you know they were they were definitely not a new wave band even before uh, the day the earth caught fire they were more of like a um almost like a english version of a yacht rock band really interesting sort of sound yacht rock or or post glam like a late period glam band like your 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 pilot and your uh, who who else is a late one there sailor all those kinds of bands starland vocal band uh maybe a little bit like that as well um but yeah there were a few other ones mentioned so yeah check out the facebook page um there's there's always good uh, good follow-up stuff on the episodes of, uh, of ones that would have been served as good examples. Uh, of course, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to ko-fi.com or rhymeswithcoffeesoria.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. I know I go on Facebook only every two weeks to re-mention this and always the list is a little longer when I do that, which is which is kind of nice. So it, it, it makes this job feel like a valid sort of job. Um, but on that front, this week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Bel Air Expediting, William Bolden, uh, Tim Derling. Tim and I have been doing these cool Contrarians episodes where we make a concept album out of band's catalogs. So he did a really cool one on ACDC. He did a cool one on Sammy Hager, all about his space songs. Remember Sammy swears up and down he was abducted by aliens um and then i've done one on zz top all about cars driving around uh and i did one on led zeppelin big double album about the season so every every side is uh, is about the season so that's really cool tim and i've been doing that we also did a contrarian uh a band's most contrarian album thing and he did one on def leppard i did one on except so far uh but yes i'd also like to thank uh david fisher jamie laszlo as well jamie and i should uh should do a contrarians uh together again soon it's been uh, far too long 
long. Uh, Andrew Meyer, Monty Olson, Augustine Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, Dan Rosenson, and Brian Sager. Um, for all your book needs, go to martinpopoff.com. Uh, still got the big swanky Pink Floyd, the big swanky... Uh, David Bowie and the uh, and the ACDC and of course brand new is the Cure One panel book with a bunch of our Contrarians people. We've got a, a panel one coming on um, Blue Oyster Cult uh, soon as well. But uh, yeah, for your homework, man, go play that War Babies album. Um, that is a really cool record. I noticed it is on Spotify, which uh, was was a pleasant surprise. But yeah, I think it was on Sony. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting to see that uh, there. It's the only album they ever made, and definitely go play some Alice in Chains as well. Um, boy, I, I really don't know my Sarah McLaughlin. I haven't spent a lot of time with the later REM albums. I was an REM freak in the early days, you know, those first three or four albums. Man, I just worshipped that stuff. But when they got noisy, right? When they got noisy like you too. This is another one that people have talked about uh, having me do an episode on. When when these bands got noisy, like when you two got noisy. REM's kind of a, a good one that way too, actually, uh, to maybe look at. But um, yeah, this whole period, you know, up into the ninth album, I, I, was, I was definitely not a big fan, but... Uh, and go play Temple of the Dog as well. So uh, there you go. Episode 207, Grunge Requiems. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.